Okay, we've got a couple of sour pusses in the house tonight because <laughs> the um, Women's State League team got pumped yesterday, I'm told, and uh, Coach Lawrence Lewis is here and uh, fullback Cassidy Quantrill, a.k.a. Quanti, uh, is in the house to tell us her life story, but we probably should get a recap of what went down. We were all led to believe this was an absolute powerhouse team that would roll through the competition this year and then all of a sudden the first podcast where we brought the State League women in and it's this lip-dragging, what happened, why was me. So give us the lowdown. Welcome, first of all, and um, let's get the pain out of the way, talk about the, the bad loss. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't great. Coach, you can do a full player review tonight yeah. as well if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Quanti, no. kick it off. Give us the lowdown. You're in the defence, so obviously yeah, you, you botched it. What happened? <laughs> Actually, I didn't start. Oh. Uh, so, Lawrence. Um, no, uh, we did. We had a different backline at the beginning, and at the time, Lawrence could tell I was sick <laughs> when I came in coughing. Um, but the defence line was pretty strong. I'd never doubt them anyway. Um, I don't know. I have a feeling like as like a team – we do get in our heads a little bit and it does overwhelm us quite a bit, but. Mm. So what was the score? <sighs> Four one. So that's a walloping. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't amazing, but you know, I think it looked slightly better in the second half once we changed it, I think, but yeah, unfortunately some days are not your day. <laughs> and yesterday was definitely not our day. But, Bad you know, we'll from the back. outset, like as a coach, you kind of get a sense that this isn't going to go the way we want it to go or what? You can usually tell within the first 15 minutes, I think. It usually takes, you know, I always say with senior teams, it takes them 15 minutes to, you know, get into the game, figure out what the opposition team are doing and build that momentum yourself. And, yeah, you can usually see after that time where it's starting to head. So so I mean, you any sniff at the game or was it a one-sided affair the whole way through? No, I think it was definitely... Look, the Sorrento play a different style of play um, and they were very comfortable in just sitting in deep and just letting us have the ball and, you know, we're a good ball-playing side. So I think it was quite difficult to break them down. Okay, hang on. Um, now, this is football for dummies. <clears throat> oh, we're breaking it right down. Okay, letting cool. them sit deep. So that means that... Well, nine times out of ten, they had all of their players back behind the ball that we had. So that means that they had 11 of their players in a more defensive shape. So it's a lot harder to break down. There's not that many gaps that you can try and play within. So, yeah, it makes it very difficult. So then how do they get on the counter-offensive there? It's like a massive charge. Yeah, forward. so they play a lot of good counter-attacking football. They've got a lot of ex-MPL girls that still play in the team, slightly older, but smart, good players and... Yeah, we, we know they play counter-attacking football and unfortunately if you're not switched on, then these things happen. So, you know, that's, that, that's about <laughs> it really. So I'm still yet to come over it. So, and um, But yeah, give, give me a couple of weeks and I'll be there. Right. <laughs> so we weren't here just to sort of rub it into you guys for dropping a game. Mm, we're actually keen to talk to um, Quanti about, I guess, your experience as a player at the club. Um starting in junior football all the way through into the State League women's team. Yeah. Um, so give us your life story. Oh, <laughs> story time. Um, so I started when I was in year four, so I was like 10 years old. I joined – it was actually Netherlands Football Club of when it first became a thing. Before I joined UWA, it was Netherlands Football Club down at the Netherlands Foreshore. And you I – You used to arrive at games in your um, – 
your private tender as well. You just <laughs> pull up on the, the jetties. <laughs> no, oh, okay. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Um, but no, yeah, I originally got into it because I was pretty jealous of my brother. He was started, he played two years before I did. Um, and my dad was his coach and he got the center of attention. I didn't like it, but then my dad became my coach for three years. So that's, um, his name, Stephen Quantrill. He was also the president of the club back then. Um, and so, yeah, I played at Netherlands, um, for a long time throughout the whole time. And then even, even when I joined UWA, I joined in and my next coach was Amber Hutton now. Was it? Yeah, Newton, North Newton, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Amber became my um, like serious coach after my dad, and the girls in that team we stuck together like glue. There was like a lot of girls in that team, like Kelsey Lang, Adele, Lizzie Scotch, a lot of them, and we stayed together. You got to be careful just dropping Adele. Yeah, Adele. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Can you imagine? Hello from the other side. <laughs> Um, no, not, I wish, but no. Um, but no, we, we started at the bottom of the ladder, like dead set at the bottom. We weren't the best team. I'm going to be honest, like not there. And I reckon all the girls could agree. We just went there, but cause we stuck as a team. We were solid every year we played and played together with Amber as our coach. She led us to this point until under 17s. We then won like state cup league and that was the first ever big win for like Netherlands back then. And then we just continued as a team afterwards and Amber showed us the women's side because obviously we weren't 17, we're going into 18, we're in adulthood now. And Amber introduced us to the metros of UWA and then from there, she then introduced us to like, it was the Premier League. It wasn't called State Women's League back then. Mm. I think it was like Women's Premier League. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so we got in, she introduced us and that's where we met our new coach, Tony. And then I came back and met Lawrence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you played girls soccer the whole way through or did you play mixed soccer? Girls soccer the whole way through. Right. Um, I did do like soccer camps when I was a kid and played with my brother and like some of his mates. And then we had mixed teams when we were younger, if I could remember. I'm trying to jog the memory here. But um, we did do a lot of training camps. It was like Tiger soccer that came up and did like football skills with us. And that was like boys and girls. But that um, that was when I was – my dad was my coach. But then when I hit Amber, that was under, I would say, 13s, we then like stayed as a girls' league. And obviously the game has evolved, you know, we're just talking to the, the men from the State League men's team, just the sort of advances in um, conditioning and training principles and those types of things. But And we're sort of, I guess, blessed and also spoiled in that there's academy programs for young girls now. Like mm. what sort of – was it one night-a-week training? Did yeah, Was there any sort of structure around – the girls program back then and I'm not when I say back then it sounds like you're an older woman which you were certainly not <laughs> so old but um, <laughs> yeah I guess that's the the evolution of the game is more and more clubs are really putting structure around their female programs to ensure equal opportunity for both um, sides of the sport but what sort of structure was then was there around the female program when you were playing um it wasn't a big structure back then but when Amber was coaching. She made it. She wanted to make this a big thing around women's soccer. So we had the um, two trains a week after school, 
like sometimes after our um, after school sport, we had trainings twice a week and then games on Sunday morning. Mm. So and she was pretty strict, and we, it would be the same training time with Lawrence, which is an hour and a half. Um, of your yeah. life, you can never get back. Yeah, <laughs> can never get back. <laughs> Maybe she's doing three hours after the weekend. <laughs> yeah. So well the uh, as a player who has gone through. Oh, sorry, we, so there's a little bit of off-air conversation we we're having around your opportunities potentially to go and play overseas, and really yes. interested, I guess, <clears throat> from your perspective about you know you were saying that the, you may have had the opportunity to play college soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us an overview of what that experience is? And now you didn't go, you chose not to go, and we'll get into that yes. in a second. But like, what what does college soccer bring to the table and why is it a viable option for talented young players? It is a great option. It gets you the chance to get obviously get out of Australia and experience new things around the world. Um, and you build a new community um, and build better friendships like of soccer and build your skill level, everything and different clubs maybe have they have something to offer that you didn't have here um but unfortunately I never experienced that so I wouldn't be able to tell you I did have the opportunity to do it but I decided not to well obviously there's a talent (laughs) certain level of talent there if you had the option to do it and you did emphatically stay you weren't swayed by a boy to to stay (laughs) in Australia I Um, was not what was your um what was your thought process in not taking up that opportunity um, my thought process was, um, if I'm going to get down and personal about it, but like, obviously I am, I'm from South Africa. So moving to Australia was a really big thing, hard to get into for family wise. And it, we're very privileged to live where we are. Um, and then I was looking at my years of playing throughout my whole junior years and even to that under-17s moment, we had that big win and everything. And I thought that was the peak for me. And this club was like my family and I didn't want to leave that behind mm. because we were really close. We were very, very tight and we made it. And I was so proud. And moving to another country when I was away from my family where we could still stay together and still be in a top team in our own club in Australia, I just rather – I preferred that over moving somewhere I didn't know mm. – and I wasn't going to feel as proud as I was then. Mm. So, so yeah. you, um, under 13s, when you found this coach who was transformative in your career mm-hmm. by the sounds of things, and yeah. you said that group of players largely went through to senior football. So what sort of number of players did that who sort of stuck together, including Adele? <laughs> Adele. Um, I'm trying to think. So that there was a, a huge amount. I would say like 11 of us. Yeah, right. We, we stuck together to under-17s and then I would say eight or nine of us stayed to women's. Um, but, yeah, like we all knew each other from the um, get-go. Some of us we knew from school and then some from other schools and all just around the neighbourhood that we just knew each other. Um, around the ghetto of Netherlands. The Netherlands, this um, – you just – the general The main area. streets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we did stick together for a very, very long time and we stayed as long as we could throughout the women's, but then obviously career paths just took so you, away. So you mentioned that you'd started um, university and um, undertaking studies mm-hmm. but and kept playing through some of that. I played um, – so my degree was for four years as a primary school teacher. I played for two and a half years in my degree, 
but then had to stop as it was just in my final two years, it got a bit, uh, there was a lot going on with practicals and internships I needed to do and trying to figure out where I was going to go after my uni degree. But then as I finished, I was like, knew I was missing a part of me. I'm not, I'm not even joking. Like in that COVID period of like lockdown, I was like, something's not there. And I just was missing a big chunk out of me. And I was like, I need to go back. And I hit my old pal Richie up going like, Mate, we're not a trials. I need to like, I need to get back into it. I just miss it. So I'm interested in the transition from effectively junior football into the senior ranks. And mm-hmm. how hard is it to crack the state league team? And you did mention trials. I'll get into that in a second because I actually got some questions around trialing for the team. But it is trials. We'll get to that in a second. Mm. And, and, but how, how did you go? Well, what was the transition like? When did you make the state league? What age did you make the state league women's team? Um, Just rolled straight through. I'm trying Easy. to trying to remember. So in year 11, that was under 17s. In year 12, I went into metros because I needed a relaxed soccer life while I was doing my final year of year 12. I did metros with my coach, Amber, who was also in the metros okay, so team. One, one sec. What what are the tiers here? The state league mm. women? Yeah, so you got state league as a top. <clears throat> state league as a top. And we have two amateur teams, yep. uh, Div 1, Div 2, and then your Metro teams. So they're usually your more, I guess you'd call them social teams. Okay. So they'll usually train It was different back then. It oh, was here we go. Premier League, then Resis. Yeah, you'll have that and then, then whatever yeah. is after. So it could be. So, yeah, they obviously have MPL now, State yep. League, Amateur League, Metro League. All so right. So yeah. then... Bottom of the tier, took a, took a gap year playing metros. Mm. Did it, yeah, because I didn't originally know how to get into the women's, and Amber was my connection. Yeah, to knowing how to play. So a lot of us joined our coach Amber in the women's, my team, because we then reached eighteen. We mm-hmm. got to join the women's, um, and from then on, she introduced us to some of the players um, in the women's team, and they told us about trials, and we got emails and. Also, um, oh, like my dad also helped me to figure out who I needed to contact as well um, to figure out into the state women's team. So but basically the president of the club was calling the coach to say, get my girl Dad in. was not the president <laughs> no. back then. <laughs> he stopped then. But he, had, he, was, he is still the chairman. <laughs> but he did help out a little bit. But um, then the I think it was my first year uni, I met Cass, who was the captain, and from then on, we she helped me out on how to come to trials, and I shared the information to everyone else. Mm. So yeah. So so yes. What age did you make the state league women's team? Mm, Nineteen, twenty. Is that a big deal? Big deal. As in, like, were you? Is that like I made it or? Oh yeah, it was a big deal. But back then, it was also the resis and the um, premier team. They're one. Yeah. So you train as one. So when you say back then, that doesn't happen anymore? No. No, because it's a different setup now. Ah, they've okay. changed that. That's, in a sense, MPL. Right. And then you've got state league, so they've kind of cut it out. It used to be the Women's Premier League. Right. So now, obviously, it's a while ago now. So they've, yeah, that's just a new structure. And they, and obviously with the MPL, they have under-21s, which is technically your resi's team. Right, okay. In a sense, yeah. Right, so you make the team. It's a big deal. Yeah, it made the team. This the squad. Just making the squad was a very big deal because that squad was also already tight. 
Okay. They like they're yeah. ready of a tight group of girls and making bringing like a new bunch of girls. We weren't sure if we we're going to fit in. We were very nervous. We we're like, oh, they're so much older than us. But as soon as we arrived, they were the most welcoming girls I ever met. Cass and Richie made me feel like a part of the team already. They're already trying to come up with my nickname, Quanti, straight away because I couldn't be called Cass anymore. Um, <laughs> um, they just like really include you. And as soon as you made that squad, whether you're going to play in the resis that day or in the first team as well, it didn't matter. You were one big squad, mm. one big family. And that's all that really mattered at the time. And, and as a young player sort of cracking the squad – what sort of pressure is there to hold your spot once you make the actual first team? It's hard because I don't want to tread on anyone's toes. I don't want to like kick anyone out of their position, but everyone is fighting for that position. And in the end, you just got to do what's best for you and also best for the team. And mm. if everyone wants to win, you got to all have that same mindset and be like, yeah, that's the best decision. You just got to go for it. But yeah, I don't like treading on people's toes. I feel like everyone plays really well and you don't want to like steal anyone's positions, but everyone's welcome to whatever they want to play. So I need to get Grumpy Lawrence involved a little bit here, but yeah. one of the things I wanted to dive into is this notion of trials. <clears throat> so are trials run for the squad every year? Yeah. Yeah. So every year the whole thing's up in the air and you're playing for your spot type thing. Obviously there's people going to come in who are – you know, rusted on and, mm. you know, but I suppose as performance slips, there's always eyes on. How does a, how do the trials work? Mm. Well, you're right. It's more about, you know, everyone has to come back and trial. You know, you might have quite a few players, like obviously Quanti has been a part of the club for a while as much as our captains and vice captains and stuff. And, you know, there's, there's no one really bolted on. Like you obviously want people to still be there and more than likely they will still be there as well. But, you know, all of a sudden you might have the next, I don't know, messy turn up or whatever. So, but I think it's more from a point of view of going, well, you need to do trials every year. You play against multiple teams, you do well and people see that and they want to be involved. And therefore now you've got an extra 20 girls that come down and it's okay. Well, now I need to pick from those 40 girls, um, you know, a squad of 18 to 20. So, um, yeah, most clubs at that level, state even amateurs and, and up to MPL do trials that probably well we do ours in December the first batch of trials anyway and then come January we go again and and then pretty much start pre-season in January. so so if 40 people show up and you select a squad of 18 mm. do those others just vanish to other clubs or do they uh, stick well, around at the club sometimes it depends on I guess what level they think that they can play at like if they want to come in and play for our team and they get selected then fantastic but if they don't get selected there are other stately clubs out there and you know we can offer them other teams we have our amateur teams as well which still is a very good league Div 1 has got some strong teams in there considering their NPL teams are allowed a team in the amateur league so a lot of their under 18s and stuff playing there the next phase of players coming through but you know, uh, you know, people have aspirations and that's fine. And, and if they don't get in a team, then there are plenty of other teams to go for. Um, as a bit of a thespian myself, I like to think of amateur clubs as the, there's like, there's, they're waves and you have waves of talent and sometimes mm -hmm. that wave sticks and you mm -hmm. see clubs that a group of players came through and they become mm -hmm. really solid for a period of time and then, they don't manage the wave well enough and perhaps that group ages out and mm. 
mm. life happens and then they have this dip. Yep. As a coach, how do you and, – and oftentimes having been involved in other sports, other clubs, you, know, you hear people like, oh, we don't have enough talent coming through. And sometimes it's like mm-hmm. you need one talented junior a year to come through just to keep yeah. replenishing. Mm-hmm. But as a coach in a playing group, how do you – and I think this is one thing I kind of like about the female programs, this mentoring side of things, but how do you keep the crest of the wave going? And what's mm-hmm. the – without obviously pissing people off and sending them off too soon, how do you yeah. manage that? Well – to get that to start with is our whole basis of setting up this academy program is to produce players that can play at our top level. So, you know, you think about, okay, let's just say this group of players that Quanti is involved with, you know, they, they'll be playing for the next, what, five to eight years or whatever. Um, well, in that time, are we going to have players coming through our academy program, um, you know, from under 10s all the way up to 16s and, and pushing players through and, well, the answer is yes, because, you know, we've, we've got those players in those playing groups already. So, and there's some very good talent coming through as well. A couple of junior teams that are very strong. So, you know, if we know that we're putting the effort into those junior sides, we can just concentrate on what's going on with the state league girls at the moment. And we know that one or two per year is going to come through. Like this year we had... Chloe Rodrigo come from the under 16s straight into state league. Well, she played a couple of games for our other amateurs, our 23s, and realised that she's a very good player. Um, top goal scorer for the 16s league, even though playing centre mid for half the season. Uh, very, very good player for her age. So you know, having one of those step up almost automatically is fantastic and and we hope next year that will be the same case for the next batch of um, youngsters coming through so and obviously one of the reasons why we had this 23 side is you know we want to we want that pathway to come through but you know with the 18s league getting scrapped it stops at 16 so well what's the next step you know why don't we put them into a a senior (laughs) slash senior junior side um to kind of prepare them up to that state league Mm. I think the other thing as well is that the willingness for a club to say to a player if they may be supremely talented, go play somewhere else where mm. you know, there may be a higher level but we'll always bring you back. That's what I kind of like about club sport for the most part. It's always mm. – you're always welcome back if yeah. you've gone and tested yourself. But I think <clears throat> that's the interesting piece is that just developing those waves of talent. So they're always putting pressure on the senior team and if the senior team are doing – the right thing, they're sort of embracing those youngsters so they come through and trying to teach them the ropes, knowing full well you're still a couple of years off. Mm. My spot's (laughs) safe here. Um, The other question I guess I really wanted to throw back to you, Quanti, was just the note. Like one thing you see in female sport is camaraderie. Why does that exist on the female side? Why do do women seem to like playing with a group? And, you know, you see a lot of young men and boys, well, I'm going to go to another club because I want another opportunity, whereas women tend to stick together. Why do you think that is? Or if I missed that completely. No, no, I do. Girls do have that strong connection, that mm. bond. And some men's do want to like go over to a different club to have like better opportunity. Um, I don't know. I think we do like we are all like, I do admit like us girls, we are more sensitive and compared to men. Speak for yourself. <laughs> but like, yeah. We're pouty pants <laughs> sitting in the corner over here, <laughs> lamenting a match yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are more emotional and we do, we do believe in that friendship, that connection and that trust as well. We want to be able to trust each other on the pitch and off the pitch. We want to have that connection throughout life. It's not just on the pitch. 
like it's not just going to have this trust, have this connection just on when we're playing. You want it off as well. And if you have that build, you have that strong, that makes you stronger on the pitch and on the field. Like you, you play better. You can see the connection. You flow better on the field and that's how you win. And when you lose, even when you lose, you all help each other. You build each other back up. You like help if you're down, you're there to support them and help them out. But and and I think that connection makes you rather stay together instead of going to another club, because mm. like that's something that you will remember more than just going off to a club. Just like and if it doesn't work out, and like if it, that other club is just not what it is because it doesn't have that same feeling, it's not worth it. I don't feel sometimes, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess where you, it's where you place value, but yeah. Um, you know, like I was saying off the air, my kids were stunned when they asked me if I had any friends expecting me to have none. <laughs> and, and me saying that most of my friends are sporting friends and that's, you know, you've gone to battle with those people and back in my day you'd have a few drinks with them after the game. You guys aren't allowed to do that anymore. But um, let's just hang on. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse <yourself>. me. <laughs> have you met our team? <laughs> Holding the bar up. But, you know, it's that it is the social side of things and, and oftentimes they become lifelong friends, which is the – and that's draw. the thing. A lot of my friends now, even I've left obviously high school a few years ago. I have a few good friends from high school that I do keep with me close, but a lot of my friends come from this club and we do a lot of social gatherings together. We do a lot of team bonding mm. and, and that's what we look forward to. So, yeah. So one of the questions I asked the men the other week was what advice would you give younger players? And it's not, it's not, what advice would I give myself as a younger person? But it's more, what advice would you give younger players to work on to make themselves better? So, um, you know, one of the chaps is like, learn to go off both feet as young as you can because it becomes a really major asset the higher up you go. What what advice would you give to young female players about what they should focus on in their game if they wanted to elevate themselves? I would say always be committed if you stick to something, be committed, show, like come on time. If you want to learn, if you want to improve, come to training on time and be there to learn. Um, I'd also say is also just always back up your teammates as well. If throughout any of you, every team you go through, you make new friends along the way, always back them up as you go. The double feet foot thing, I also say do that as well. Um, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of skills and that's something that you'll learn each year. You, even if you're getting frustrated now, each year you'll develop and you'll learn. If you keep on going and push yourself, you'll get there. Just don't give up. That's what I would say. Never give up. Coach Lawrence, I haven't actually asked you this question. What advice would you give to young, what's the one thing you would ask young players to work on as a key skill or, or, um, activity or mindset? I wouldn't. I'd just say... Just continue to keep playing. So whether uh-huh, that means... Don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And and it's not necessarily just a training, right? Because, you know, you train twice a week or whatever, but you go home and is that it? Are you done? But no, continue to play. Enjoy, enjoy the sport. Have the love for the sport as well because I feel like a lot of kids and players will end up dropping out of the sport because it's only once a week and it's twice a week and during those sessions will they touch the ball that many times and and all of a sudden it's a bit like oh I might get a bit boring now whereas if they 
you know, might be in a situation when they have a good coach or, um, you know, have a lot of uh, ball time, then it's going to make it a lot easier and they'll enjoy it more. And therefore, the, well, for me anyway, it was the more I played, the more I enjoyed it and the more I started to understand the game, um, whether it be playing or watching or watching friends or watching on TV. So just being involved in the whole sport, I would say try and get in as much of the game as possible. Um because then you'll figure out if you like it or not. Mm. And as soon as that happens, the love of the game will grow and therefore you will get obsessed. And as soon as you get obsessed, then all of a sudden you're on a one-way ticket to be a good player because mm. you'll just be like, right, what can I do to be better? What can I do to be better? So Sage-like wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to let you two escape without some positivity around the season, mm-hmm. <laughs> your, your season. So what have we got to expect from the State League women? Just a blip on the radar? What? what yeah. I hope it's a blip. Yeah, it'll definitely so. be a blip. <laughs> it's a long season to go, right? And um, so, how many games are there in the season? So we've got we've well, each team three times. Three times, yeah. They there was meant to be eight teams in the league, and um, one team folded, um, dropped out. So that left with seven. So um, we've only got eighteen games. But they have like a top four cup at the end of the year and the state league cup in between. So there's quite a few games mm. to go. We've only had, um, this is our fourth, fourth league game, I think. Mm. And the record. Yes, it is our fourth, yeah. Yeah. Record is? Two and two. Okay. Yeah. So we lost that first, which I think we spoke about on a previous poll. We lost that first game, 3-2, which was a bit annoying. But, you know, they, they probably other team deserved it in the second half. And then two games, one. And then we obviously lost on Sunday, so and then we got Gwell up next um, next Sunday as well. So I think it was the Gwell up squad on the weekend that had someone headbutting a player. Yeah, that was the men's team. Ah, they uh, big scraps, <laughs> big scraps. So yeah, um, but yeah, so you know, I think we just you, you just got to take it game by game, right? You just oh, look it's back broken at it. a cliche on us already. One game at a time. Yeah, you got to take so one true, game. It's so true, though. <laughs> yeah, <literally> is true. <laughs> we look. think too far ahead. Like I said, we are a team that mentally. Like, we can't take it sometimes, I feel. If we think too far ahead, we will obviously just fall to the ground. <laughs> and right. I guess, like, look, you can have goals for the season, right? And um, But it's just going, right, okay, well, what's our short-term goals? What do we want to try and accomplish in the next couple of weeks? So, you know, these things will be looked at in the next week or so. So the team was quite successful last year. Is that correct? Um, I say so. Yeah, I'd say so. Like, I think... Going off the past previous years, like even before I came in and stuff, um, you know, it's just a bit of a build. And now this team continues to challenge for the title every year. And, you know, Southwest Phoenix, who have won it in the last couple of years, they're, they're a very good side and they got very young players. So they'll probably be around for a while. But um, I think we're closing that gap every year. Did, and, uh, so I guess where I was going with that is you're a pretty quality side last year. Mm. Was there any. Did you have turnover of the playing group, or was it a consistent teams yeah, look, continue to? There through? is, there's, a, there's always turnover um, every single year, and and the reasons for that could be, you know, and, and not many of them. Well, I think one, maybe two, went to another club, but um, you know, it could be from a number of things: work, family, mm-hmm. um, you know, falling out of sport, or you know, retiring from that age as well, moving away as well. So he got a lot of players that move east or you know wherever. So I think uh, we had a slight bit of a turnover last year but we brought in a lot of new players as well and promoted a couple of um good young players so yeah and i think you talk about that uh that wave right so it's well 
you know, where do we see this team in the next five years? So why don't we start introducing those younger players now, getting them used to the side, and then as as the the uh, the older players start moving up um, into other other teams, or you know, even if the Masters League is there as well, then we need someone else to be involved, right? So. Well, you heard it here first. Lawrence expects to dominate the league for the next five years. Um, Would be nice. So much pressure. Yeah, a little bit of pressure (laughs) on you, Quanti. So um, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It's been great to get an insight into the State League Women's Program and your journey. And um, we hope to have some more of your teammates on in the near future. Yay, exciting. Thank you very much. (laughs) 